back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. Again, that's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. And since the last episode, there's been so much that's happened in the draft world. Marquise Brown went down with the injury. That's going to keep him out of the combine, and we'll see where he does end up going in the draft. But we know that he's not going to be able to perform at the combine and I'm of the belief that he didn't necessarily need it because everybody knew that he was going to run fast but we wanted to see what he was going to weigh in as and I think that's the one thing that will always be questioned about him and that's his size. We know the Deshaun Jackson comparisons are there with him which are fair for him and I think he compares very favorably stylistically to him as well but we'll see where he does go with that and That's just something that we're going to get into on this episode of the podcast, and I have a very special guest coming on, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, I want to continue the State of the Franchise series, and it's a series that I've been doing every single episode of the podcast, and we're just going down the draft order of every single team in the first round, and I just give my initial thoughts, some needs that they do might have at certain positions, and just their certain outlook and maybe what they should be thinking, not could, but should be thinking so we'll see what does end up happening with each and every one of these picks so on tap today we have the jacksonville jaguars with the seventh pick the detroit lions with the eighth pick and the buffalo bills with the ninth pick so let's dive right into it with the jacksonville jaguars and a team that's in a bit of turmoil they have a lot of strong personalities after making the afc championship game two years ago they took a bit of a step back last year a massive step back i should say and They've had some turnover. John DeFilippo is now in the door after getting fired midway through the season with the Minnesota Vikings. And we're going to see if he can be a reclamation project with the Jacksonville Jaguars because he was one of the hottest offensive coordinator candidates going into the year. Or should I say head coaching candidates going into the year as well? But things didn't work out with him in Minnesota now as the offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So We're going to see what does end up happening with him in Jacksonville. And I think they're going to try their best to get some surrounding pieces in there for him. They have to find a quarterback. That's what their entire offseason is predicated upon. They have to find a way to get a quarterback in the door because they don't have one on the roster right now. Blake Bortles, everyone knows they're going to part ways with him. They've admitted that he's been a failure even after giving him that extension that they did give him last year. Cody Kessler is not the long-term answer there. He's going to be a backup. That's what Cody Kessler is destined to be. That's what he is. He's great insurance. He should not be your starter. And the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely found that out last year. And the biggest mistake that the Jaguars made with Blake Bortles is not ever bringing in competition for him. And I know they traded for Cody Kessler from the Cleveland Browns, but he is not that supreme competition that Blake Bortles needed to come through the door because Blake Bortles was never pushed to be a better quarterback than what he necessarily could be. And I think, I don't want to say he had a high ceiling because I wasn't a huge fan of Blake Bortles coming out, but I think he should be better than what he is right now in his current state. And it really has hindered this team as a whole. And all the blame is not on Blake Bortles. I'm not going to say that. The defense took a step back because the offense took a step back as well. And a big part of that was due to Blake Bortles deficiencies as a passer overall and Leonard Fournette took another step back as well and we'll see what does end up happening with his situation. TJ Yeldon is a a free agent going into the offseason who's probably not going to be back because Carlos Hyde is now in the door who they traded a fifth round pick for to the Cleveland Browns. So I think this is an offense that is going to have some turnover especially at the skill positions 
and they have to find a quarterback. We'll see if they do end up trading for Dwayne Haskins, trading up for their guy in Dwayne Haskins, or if it's Drew Locke or even Kyler Murray. We're going to see what does end up happening there, but their whole entire offseason needs to be predicated upon finding a quarterback. We'll see if that's through free agency or if it's through the draft or if it's a combination of both. There's some rumors going out now or circling now that Nick Foles could definitely be a top option for them, and it does make some sense. Because the tie there with John DeFilippo and their days with the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they got a Super Bowl win out of it. So it's very fair to compare or make that connection that Nick Foles could be walking through the door with the Philadelphia or with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I should say, from the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll see if they're going to have to end up trading for him because the Philadelphia Eagles maybe do franchise tag him in order to keep him. Or there's a way that Nick Foles can buy his way out of his current $20 million option. So. We're going to see what does end up happening with that entire situation. But the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely are the leader in the clubhouse for Nick Foles services. And we'll see if he does end up ultimately landing there. But their biggest needs right now stand at quarterback tight end, I think, is a big need for them. Now that they have declined the option on Austin Safarian Jenkins, they have notified him that he is not going to be returning next year. And I think they have a need at the edge as well. Calais Campbell is getting a bit older. Yannick Ngakwe is coming along nicely, but after that, there really isn't that dominating presence that they really do need off of the edge. They took Taven Bryant last year to play along the interior, but he's not going to be an edge guy for them. So they need some type of threat off of the edge as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do trade back and take a guy like a TJ Hawkinson later on in the draft or later on in the first round, I should say, if they don't like the quarterback options at the top. But also they can pick and choose who they want at the top if they want to address their edge issue as well. So I'm really interested to see where this team goes from here because we know they have plenty of talent. It's just a matter of getting them to play together and having that chemistry on offense. And they need to upgrade some weapons on the perimeter as well. And it's specifically at quarterback. That's what their whole entire offseason is predicated upon. They have to find a way to get that signal caller in the door in order for them to have success in the AFC South. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia's first season didn't go as planned. They finished dead last in the NFC North, something that we really didn't expect to see. We thought they would probably take a step forward after they did end up getting rid of Jim Caldwell. Because of the mediocrity that he did go through with them, they thought that Matt Patricia was going to be an upgrade, but it didn't prove to be that in his time there with Detroit to this point. They had a disappointing first season. Glover Quinn was just notified that he is going to be released. So they have some issues in the secondary. I think that is one of their biggest needs, but by far the biggest need is off the edge. The Ziggy Ansah experiment just did not work out for them. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. So they have some needs off of the edge. They don't really have that dominating presence coming off the edge that you would like to see. Kerry Hyder, Romeo Aguara, Deshaun Hand. These are just some of the names that are coming off of the edge right now for the Detroit Lions. They have a supreme need at the edge position. They have to find a way to get some type of dominating threat off of the edge. And they're going to have their pick of the litter in this draft because the best part about this draft is the edge class. And with the eighth overall pick, the Lions are going to have their pick of the litter. So we're going to see exactly what they're going to do. Maybe they could upgrade at tight end. Maybe they're another team that could be a candidate to trade back because the Michael Roberts experiment is just not working out to this point. Luke Wilson has been an okay option, but I think they can find a way to get a better upgrade at that position. Moving on to the ninth pick with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is in the door. He had a decent rookie year, started out a bit rough, 
But he got better as the year went on, and that's something that you expected with him because he was labeled as a huge project coming to the draft. So with Josh Allen's play, you see just the massive arm strength that he does have, but he had to find a way to contain it. And what I love that Brian Dabble did with him throughout the year is that he did not force Josh Allen to sit back in the pocket and throw it 35-plus times a game. That's not how his game is based upon. You have to incorporate him in the quarterback run game to get him involved in the flow of the game. And that's exactly what Brian Dabble did. He predicated his game around the quarterback design running game. And you see the different type of schemes that they were running throughout games. And as you saw, as the games progressed, he started to get more comfortable, not only as the games progressed, but as his rookie year went along to where he proved to be a very serviceable option. And he gave he gave Bills fans a bunch of intrigue going into next year. Because And he gave him a bunch of hope as well, because that's what you want to see out of your quarterback's rookie year. You want to see hope. You take him with the seventh overall pick, so you're expecting, you have high expectations for Josh Allen coming into the year. He's been labeled as a huge, massive project throughout his pre-draft process, so he has that hope that you wanted to see him leave fans with throughout the year. So going into next year, or going into this year, I should say, this offseason, I think their entire offseason should be predicated upon building around Josh Allen. They have to find a way to build up that offensive line in front of him. And they've already started to do that. Brandon Bean has bought in Spencer Long from the New York Jets. And we'll see if he's going to be their day one center. It's basically a pay-as-you-go three-year type of deal. So there is no guarantees for him as far as a starting spot. And he's bringing, he's, he was brought in for competition. That's really what he was brought in the door to do or in the door to be. But I still think they need to upgrade in some spots. I think they need another tackle opposite of Deion Dawkins. So at that ninth pick, you're talking about a guy like a Jonah Williams, maybe. A Jawan Taylor could be another option as well. An Andre Dillard. Some guy of that sort, I think, would be a really good fit for the Bills. So I think they need to upgrade that receiver as well. Robert Foster came along really nicely and was a pleasant surprise for them as an undrafted free agent last year. Zay Jones has proved to be a serviceable option, but outside of that, they really don't have any other reliable options on the perimeter. Isaiah McKenzie came along decently as the year went along, but I think they need that dominating number one type of wide receiver because they have some really good depth pieces right now or surrounding parts as wide receiver twos or wide receiver threes, but they don't have that number one go-to guy. So you're talking about at the ninth pick, a guy like a DK Metcalf. He could be a fantastic pick in the second round, maybe a guy like a Nakiel Harry or somebody of that sort. So they're going to have their plethora of options at that ninth spot or if they want to address it later on in the draft as well. But the Jaguars, the Lions, and the Bills, they all have intriguing options at the top of the draft, and I cannot wait to see what they do. Now, the guest for this week, a guy that I highly look up to and have a lot of respect for, is Bleacher Report's Matt Miller. He's our guest this week, but before we get to the interview with Matt, here's a word from my sponsor. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blades, rich lathering shave gel, and also a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your front door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving cream by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. 
Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and go claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Again, that's harrys.com slash B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. All of Harry's Blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. Yes, a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. I want to welcome now Matt Miller in, the lead draft writer from Bleacher Report. And it's just a great, great feeling to have him on. Finally, I actually got a chance to meet Matt down at the Senior Bowl, so I really wanted to make sure to get him on the podcast. Matt, how's everything going? Going well, man. Uh, like you know, this is a busy time of year, a couple weeks before the combine, trying to get everything ready to go. And uh, yeah, it was great to finally meet you in Mobile. I'm a huge fan of what you do, so I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to come on, dude. And I really appreciate that, man. But I want to jump right into this thing. So I know life is hectic for you right now, man. Just leading up to the draft, how is your life right now, man? I know it's crazy. (laughs) It's hectic, yeah. It's fun, though. I mean, this is the time of year that we kind of live for. Um, And and for me, you know, I I host a a podcast and we do three episodes a week. So that takes a, a lot of time. I write a couple articles a week. Uh, I also lead up our, it's called the NFL Draft 400, and that's where we actually go in and write full scouting reports on 400 players, rank them, you know, compare them to pros, and, and do the whole thing. So it's it's a very busy time. Um, I, I usually know that, like, after the Super Bowl is going to mean a lot of 10, 12, 14-hour days, basically, until May 1st. And then May, come May 1st, I'm like, I'm ready to get out of town. So it's it's, you know, a couple – Pretty hard months, but it's also a lot of fun, um, you know, getting to get out on the road, hang out with people. And, and that's the combine is a big part of that, too. You know, just get into network and see old friends, meet new people like like you and I finally meeting up in Mobile. So it's uh, there's enough like fun mixed in too to, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. And it's really good that you said that, because I know you don't get a lot, a lot of chances to really just sit back and take things in. But I want to backtrack a little bit. Just tell us about your journey to BR and how you got to the point you're at now. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I was, I always tell people I was the worst smart football player ever. And, you know, I, I loved the game, but I just wasn't, you know, athletically talented enough to get on the field as much as I wanted to. So, uh, I actually, a journalism teacher in high school pulled me aside was like, you know, you should, you should write about football. You, it's clear you love it. You're a pretty good writer. Um, why don't you just put the two things together? And that really stuck with me. And then, you know, as I kind of got out into the real world and tried different things, I, I always kept coming back to, you know, wanting to, you know, work in football. And I ended up actually being a, a high school coach for a couple of years. And then that led to being a, uh, well, I think it was called a minor league football. It's like a small Midwest league coaching there. And then I scouted some for the arena league, scouted a little for the Canadian football league. But all through that time, I always had my own draft website where I would you know, write mock drafts and do big boards and team needs articles and things like that. And in 2010, I got an email from like a newsletter that Bleacher Report had a job opening for an NFL writer. It was unpaid. You didn't have to have a journalism degree, which was important to me um, because I went to school to be a paramedic. And so I I applied and sent them, you know, the, the link to my website that I had at the time and some examples of my work. And they, they brought me on the next day. And that was November of 2010. And then in May of 2011, I quit my 
day job um, and, and have been a Bleacher Report full-time ever since. So I, I got really lucky to be in the right place at the right time and, and to get in with a company that like they, they blew up right after I got there. Like I, I got there in May full-time. By August, you know, it was this huge operation. I think by the next September, maybe we had been bought by Turner Sports. So it just really just kept snowballing and getting bigger and bigger to where it is now. And it's and now it's one of the largest sports media companies in the world. Man, that's truly an amazing journey. It's just funny just hearing everybody's journey and how they got to the point that they're at right now. But it's a smooth segue to the combine next week. There's a lot of events going on, but there was some big news. Adam Schefter announced today that Marquise Hollywood Brown, wide receiver from Oklahoma, suffered a foot injury. We know what happened in the Big 12 championship game against Texas. He suffered a Liz Frank type of injury that he did have surgery on last month that he said. So just what are your overall thoughts on that? And do you think this is going to be a big knock against him or just how do you think, where do you think this is going to leave him? Man, I do think it will hurt. And I, I think, you know, all injuries are different. You have to evaluate them differently and look at the context of things. And you have, so you have a 170 pound wide receiver who now can't run throughout the combine. He's not going to be able to run at his pro day. So you're really scouting him based on film, which I know that might sound funny. Like that's what you're supposed to do, right? A scout on film, but you want to be able to check those boxes of how fast is he. And I think with a foot injury, that scares me more. One of the things that I learned early in scouting is that guys who can't stay healthy in college rarely overcome that and stay healthy in the NFL. So if you have someone who has durability concerns, and I, I would say that Marquise Brown's slight frame and now this injury to me, that screams durability concerns. So that, that affects it for me. I really liked his tape, man. He's explosive. Uh, you can watch him get to the top of his route and he's able to transition so cleanly. He has quick feet. He's got good body control, but you know, I already had kind of typecast him as he's only going to be a fit for so many teams because of his size. Um, and because you're going to look at him and be like, all right, this is a vertical guy only at 5'10, 170 pounds. You know, he was 130 pounds when he left high school. So it's just a, a problem of he's already maxed out physically. Now you have the injury. So I do think it will hurt him a little bit, but I would think he's still a first round pick when it's all said and done. Somebody's going to take that risk. You know, we've seen it with John Ross. Uh, Corey Davis was a little different because Corey's 6'3, 215, you know, and was a senior. You knew that he was just physically gifted and unfortunately got hurt and wasn't able to test. But I, I think, I do think at the end of the day, whether you thought Brown was a top 10 pick, a top 20 pick, or a top 32 guy, I think you have to move him down from that spot just because of you know, you're going to miss you know three more months now with this injury at a minimum three more months and that's a, a pretty big concern for me. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And you see the Deshaun Jackson comparisons with him, and I think that's very fair. Not just from a stylistic comparison, but also a draft range wise as well. And I think Deshaun Jackson went somewhere in like 45 to 49, somewhere in that range, which I think which I think he may still end up going in that range but we know speed is king in the nfl and somebody is still going to take a risk on him because he is so explosive but i want to move on because i could spend all day on that issue with him (laughs) this whole idea about the combine i love that you went on a rant on stick to football this morning with Melo and connor about nfl teams actually inviting the guys that have had past domestic violence issues we know jeffrey simmons is one and uh, preston williams is another but jalen ferguson he also had an issue coming out about her fight at McDonald's when he was in high school, which is just ludicrous to me. But the NFL, I think they got it right. They're still letting these guys come do medicals and still come to the combine to meet with teams. But 
Just talk about a little bit about the rant that you went about on this morning on Stick to Football. Yeah, man, it it needed some beeps, I think, by the time it actually got published. But I, it, it frustrates me because I think the combine is the player's chance to sell themselves to NFL teams. And the NFL is not going to come out and say that you can't draft Jeffrey Simmons, that you can't draft Preston Williams, you can't draft Jalen Ferguson. And there are other kids. You know, Dakota Allen at Texas Tech was – charged with armed robbery, got kicked out of Texas Tech and, and ended up back there after a stint Juco. And they're not saying you can't draft these kids. They just don't want them on their reality show. You know, and that's what this is all about is they're going to let them come do medicals, which aren't televised. They're going to let them do interviews with teams, which aren't televised, but you can't run the 40. You can't do the bench. We don't want to see you doing drills. And so to me, it just screams that it's a PR move. Of they don't want the uncomfortable nature of, you know, Rich Eisen's going to have to say, oh, here's Jeffrey Simmons around his 40. And by the way, if you YouTube his name, you're going to see him punch a woman. Like, they don't want that. And I don't know that, you know, saying guys shouldn't be able to go to the combine, I don't know if that's the right answer or not. I really don't. I can see both sides of it as, you know, you want a deterrent so that maybe there's something in the back of a guy's mind so he won't do something like this. But on the other hand, you're still going to draft them. And as we've seen with Tyree Kill, who seems to have done, you know, the most with his second chance, the NFL is going to celebrate these players if they become superstars. It's not like they're not going to market them. They're still going to sell their jerseys. They're still going to put their face on tickets. They're still going to be in commercials. So it just seems really hypocritical to me that they're going to say, now you can't come to the combine because you have a violent uh, you know, charge in your background. But you can have anything else. You can have drug charges. You can have uh, robbery charges, uh, armed robbery. Even. You could probably have grand theft auto. But if it's a violent charge, even if it's you're getting Getting in a fight in the McDonald's when you're 18, it, it seems silly to me that there's not someone in this huge, you know, bureaucratic nightmare that is the NFL who's sitting at a desk saying, ah, well, Jalen Ferguson got in a fight with a, another man at a McDonald's. That's different than Preston Williams shoving his girlfriend and not being charged and, and you know, not being convicted of anything. And that's different than Jeffrey Simmons. And that's different than Dakota Allen, you know, who's different from whoever else it might be. Instead of, you know, this, it's just like an, an automatic fail for these guys. I think it requires a lot more context than they're putting into it. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. And it seems to be a big arising issue now with, you know, the whole Jeffrey Simmons thing coming along. And I always felt that these guys should still be invited to the combine. They should be able to go through medicals and meet with teams. So I think they got it right. But I'm right there with you because the big idea behind it is they don't want to have Rich Eisen, like you said, or Daniel Jeremiah, just having to talk about the video while Jeffrey Simmons or Preston Williams or whoever is running their 40. So I'm right there with you. But the main topic of today's show, we wanted to focus on the running backs. And I want to jump right into this guy, man, because he runs mean. And I love Josh Jacobs. And I know you're a big fan of him as well. So just give me your overall thoughts about him. And then I actually finished his scouting report today and I compared him to Frank Gore, which is high praise for me because I, I grew up a Niners fan. I loved Frank Gore. And like you said, he runs mean, but he's also patient. And I, I think that's hard to find guys who are patient and they have good vision. One of my favorite things about Josh Jacobs is that he'll let the play develop. He'll let his line do their job. And then he's explosive. And he might not have, you know, the big chunk plays ripping off 60 yard runs, but he's explosive in that short area where he will run mean. I mean, he looks to hurt people, but he's, you know, almost no wear and tear. He had 251 carries in his career at Alabama. So he's relatively fresh. He catches the ball like a receiver. He's a good route runner out of the backfield. You know, to me, he's a total package. And he's a high-character guy who has no injury history. That's so hard to find. You know, so 
most of the traits. He's probably not going to be a straight line fast that some people want, but almost all the, the top tier traits that you want, he has. Plus, he's got the goods in the locker room. He's got it off the field. And like you said, man, he just runs angry, which it feels like that's a lost art a little bit. So I'm really excited to see where he ends up. He's my by far my favorite running back in this class. And, and there's a lot of good backs, but to me, Josh is just on a different level. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I think he's the clear top back in this class. And, I mean, he's not the only Alabama back. Damian Harris is another great guy in this class. But I know you have the NFL Drive 400 coming out, and I don't want to spoil it too much. But who were just – some other backs that you really like in this class? Yeah, you know, I catch myself drifting more to, like, faster backs, which is it kind of surprised me that the first time I watched Josh Jacobs, I was like, oh, that's my dude. You know, I like David Montgomery, too, who wouldn't fit that traditional mold of, like, a you know, he's not going to run in the four fours probably even, but he's a, another big back who runs with power, runs with balance. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. And to me, that's, like, where the league is at right now. You want guys who can run between the tackles, who can run a four-minute offense but can also catch the ball. With David Montgomery, I actually got to see him in person against TCU. And, I mean, he's just so compact and physical, and he looks to put his pads on you. It reminded me of Kareem Hunt. And, you know, there's the off-field with Kareem that's separate from the on-field. So the on-field for me, David Montgomery, reminded me a lot of Kareem. Devin Singletary, I like a lot. He's just – but the first word I put in my notes on him was just juice. He has such loose hips. He's able to shake guys in the hole. He doesn't have a ton of power. He's not the biggest guy. I don't think his 40 times is going to be elite by any stretch of the imagination, but he's so elusive and fluid when he has the ball. He can cut back against the grain on people. So I really liked his take. And then, like, probably my favorite, I guess I would call him the sleeper, is Travion Williams, Texas A&M. Incredibly productive in the SEC, just kind of got forgot about. He's built to me like Reggie Bush. He's got those long legs. He's kind of high cut but he will make you miss. He's got loose hips. He's got burst. He's great in pass protection. So I look at him as like an immediate plug-and-play guy that can come in on third down. He is, I think he's the best blocker of any of the backs in this class, but he also has speed, and he has really good hands too. Yeah, man, and I just love this running back class overall. Now, there's not any star power at the top like a Saquon Barkley last year and in previous years, but I think – there's a lot of what I, like, what I like to call 1B type of backs that does have the potential to be 1A type of backs. And it just depends on what type of flavor that you want in this this running back class. But before I let you get out of here, I have to put you on the spot with one last question. So you're a big barbecue fan, I know. And I know Missouri is very famous for their barbecue. So just what is one place, if you had one last time to eat barbecue in your life, which place would it be? Man, there's a this is I'm gonna make so many people mad <laughs> by answering this. This is like religion and politics in Missouri. There's a spot in Kansas City. There's two restaurants. It's called Q39. It's relatively new, but they have the best barbecue in town. And it's like it's a nice like you can sit down and eat. And the the ribs are fantastic. They got great brisket, good burn ins, and their burgers are actually amazing too. They got a burger. They'll throw burn ins burn ins on there. So it's hard to go wrong in Kansas City with barbecue, but yeah, if I'm, you know, if that's my last meal, I'm going to make it at Q39 for sure. And I'm a big Boulevard beer fan, and they they get it. It's like a block away. So, like, the beer is super fresh. It's ice cold. It's You're making me hungry, actually, talking about it. <laughs> if I'm ever in Kansas City, I have to make sure to remember I go visit all those places, even the ones you didn't say. We'll talk about that off the air, though, <laughs> so they won't get too <laughs> for sure, mad at you. Um, but thanks, man. Thanks so much again, and we'll definitely have to do this again. You got it, man. Anytime you hit me up, I appreciate you.
Really fun interview right there with Matt Miller from Bleacher Report, a guy that I highly respect. He's been in the business for nearly a decade, so he obviously has an eye for talent, and he knows what he's looking at and what he's talking about with these prospects. But next week is a big week. Next week is officially the start of the NFL Combine, the moment we have all been waiting for. We're going to finally get some testing numbers and some medicals on the guys we've had questions about coming into this point. And next week, of course, we're going to have another fantastic episode, and I cannot wait to bring on our guest next week. I'm going to wait to reveal it at a later time, but just make sure to stay tuned in with the podcast. Make sure to subscribe, and hopefully you guys really enjoyed this episode. It was one of my favorites, but next week is going to be even better because of the NFL Combine. There's going to be so many great storylines to talk about, and I, can, I cannot wait to get that episode to you guys. 